Chronicles chapter 33. My wife and I had some visits this week with some families and people, of course. One of the families wanted to know if it was all right to wave a hand or say amen every once in a while. And I said, yeah, I said, we're down to a couple of people that do that. But we, but this morning, you, I wish they would have been here this morning. Some of you showed up a little bit. Amen. But of course, the girls did a great job. Thank you so much. Second Chronicles chapter 33. And uh, tonight, I have a message the Lord's been working with me on for a couple weeks, and, and it's come to uh, fruition, ready to preach. And I, because of the Lord's Supper, I don't think I'm going to preach the whole sermon. I'm going to preach maybe the first part and then next Sunday night finish up. But it's on worry. It's on worry. And if you're having trouble with worry, we all do it from time to time, if we'd be honest. I believe this message will help you. Worry, anxiety, fretfulness, and uh, come tonight, and I believe you might help get, get some help, or maybe start working in your heart toward having more faith in God. Okay, and that that's this evening. But the Lord gave me a message this morning. I'm excited to preach too, and that's in Second Chronicles chapter 33, and we'll just read the first six verses together in God's Word. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse one. Watch Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and he did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, 
whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places, which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down, and he reared up the altars of Balaam and made groves and worshiped all the hosts of heaven and served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused the children to pass through the fire, his children, in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirit and with wizards. And he brought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Now we're going to look at a few more things that uh, Manasseh did, but that's enough to get us a little flavoring of what's going on here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much that you record so many wonderful things in your word for us to be blessed with, encouraged by, strengthened, but Lord, you also... You include things that are not easy to read about. You say things in your word sometimes, Lord, that are difficult. And uh, this is a text where, Lord, it's not a, it's not a happy sight. It's not a, it's not a thing to rejoice about. These first six verses about how Manasseh acted and how he led your people astray. Help us, Lord, today as saints that people. Help us to remember people are watching us, observing our life, our choices. Lord, if we're not careful, we'll let the carnal and the fleshly come in. And Lord, we'll, we'll drop our standard. We'll, we'll let uh, down the banner. Manasseh, Lord, was raised in a godly home with a godly father. But Lord, he fell by the wayside because he got involved in things that you told him in your word not to even involve himself with. Oh God, speak to us today as your people. Help us to realize today that our complacency, our stubbornness, our rebellion is breaking your heart. Help us to say yes to you, Lord, instead of no. Help us to yield and submit and bless you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My thought today is say yes to God. Say yes to God. Here, this story of Manasseh is a sad tale. But it is a story about the love and long-suffering of God that he has towards rebels like Manasseh was. Manasseh is the Old Testament equivalent of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Uh, I believe this story of Manasseh can be a blessing. And as I read through my Bible, I come to this story often and I, and I read about him and it appeals to me. Because, you know, Manasseh, I can relate to him because I was so much like him before I came to faith in Jesus Christ. Manasseh, Manasseh is just doing his own thing, wanting his own way, going his own direction. 
He didn't really have a mind for God. He could have cared less what was happening between him and God. I remember a day where I didn't know God. I was living my life like any young person would live a life, and I was not really considering God's plan or purpose of my life, certainly not God's will for my life. See, I did not know him. I knew about him. My parents raised me religious. They took us to church. They made sure that we went to church. But see, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you, young people, you've been raised up in church or brought to church a while. That's a wonderful thing. But you must have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Many people go to church for many years and they get, I call church anity, but they never meet the Lord. And by and by they fall by the wayside. I am so glad that Manasseh speaks to my heart because I see a God that loved me as God loved Manasseh. Manasseh was prone not to have anything to do with God. That was me. And that's still how my flesh would go if I allow it to. Amen. In our reading here, Manasseh has no thought of God, no place for God in his thoughts, no time for God. That was me. That was me. Uh, I was lost, and, and, and again, I, I did not care about spiritual things. I was on a wrong path, but eventually, thank God, I got the message. And the Holy Spirit convicted me and brought me to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. At, like the old song said, he reached way down for me. And I'm grateful for that. But this story about Manasseh is kind of a sad story. It appeals to us because of perhaps maybe where you were one time you're lost, lost and un, in your life, lost and undone and come to Christ. But also it shows me how God pursues us. A.W. Tozer wrote a great book years ago called The Pursuit of God. You ought to read it if you haven't done it yet. The pursuit of God. Folks, God pursues us. No man seeketh after God. That's what Romans tells us. God sought you. Even though you didn't realize it, God sought you. And you know what? God still pursues the lost. But not only that, God pursues the backslidden too. Even when we're unlovely, God still loves us. Hey, what a great God we serve. And so today, I want us to take a look at the story of God's love and mercy and grace and long-suffering toward a Manasseh who did everything he could to push God away and not have a thought toward God. Manasseh was ignorant of spiritual things. He was headstrong. He was uh, dismissive of God in his heart. And he chose to go that way. Again, listen... He was the son of Hezekiah, the good king of Israel. That shows us that people, children, adults, teenagers, young adults, you can be raised in a good godly home with good parents and good environment, and you could choose your wrong way if you want to. But I got news for you. God's still pursuing you. You can't get away from his love. You can't get away from his care. When I know we sometimes even don't deserve it. But David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. 
You're not, some of you may be trying to run away from God. You cannot run away from your God. You, you're trying to hide from maybe a call of God on your life. You may be trying to hide from maybe the purpose God has intended you for in and of the local church. You can't run away from him. Here's why. He's going to pursue you. I remember years ago hearing an old preacher. I don't know who he was. He came in and was talking about his wife, their relationship, maybe an anniversary like the Coles today. And he was talking about if his wife ever left him, it wasn't going to work because he was going to go with her wherever she went. Hey, God is never going to leave you. No matter who you are, what you've done. He pursues the lost and he pursues the Christian that's backed away from him. And you know, for God to deal with Manasseh in this way, we can see again that he's the prodigal of the Old Testament. He comes to his senses and thank God he did for in this story, we just read the first six verses. But Manasseh comes to God. But I want you to know, it took a lot of patience from God to deal with Manasseh. Don't get proud and thinking you're somebody, because it took a lot of patience with God. And he's still dealing with some of you hard hearts, some of you rebel souls. Amen. He'll always pursue. Just like that prodigal in Luke chapter 15, the Bible said he, he came to himself. But you know, he had to go to the hog pen. He had to realize a few things, but he did come. Manasseh was living and thinking and heading away from God. He wasn't thinking about the, the salvation of God. He wasn't thinking about the forgiveness of God. And, and I don't know, maybe there's such a person even here today. I never know when God gives me messages like this. I never know who I'm really speaking to. I know the, the general group of our church. I know generally people that profess to know Jesus, but I don't know deep in the recesses of your heart and your soul whether you're saved or not. Or if you're saved, if you're right or not. Maybe there's such a person like Manasseh sitting here today. I want you to know God loves you. I want you to know somebody cares about you and burdened and worried. Hey, by the way, I want to say to the saints this morning, if you don't get a burden for souls back, I want you to know that that doesn't please God. Sometimes, you know, we have such a broken heart and a burden for people and we lose that through circumstances, situations. We ask God to forgive us, and we need to seek people that need the forgiveness of God. And I'm not saying I'm the primary example, not at all. This message is for all of us. God never gave up on Manasseh. He pursued and pursued and pursued and was good. As Jeremiah, Pastor Jeremiah said this morning, God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Thank God for a God like that. We ought to ask God to give us our burden back, give us our tears back. Give us a burden for the lost and for prodigals that come in and out of our life. Amen. Bless his holy name. There were times in my Christian experience as a young Christian where I almost fell out. I looked at different people and what they did and I wondered why. But thank God there was other Christians that were faithful to God. Amen. Because I was focusing on somebody that broke my heart or 
destroyed my confidence. And thank God there were others that kept going on, even though they went through trial and trouble. And that kept me from doing a very stupid thing. Amen. But listen, you can look at the best example you got in this church or other churches, but you better keep your eyes on Jesus because man will fail you. Amen. This story of Manasseh this morning shows us that no one is too bad that cannot be reached by God's grace. No one is beyond redemptive grace. God can save anybody. No one is beyond restorative grace either, even the rebellious or the stubborn or the, or the backslidden. Amen. 10, 20 years, 5 years, 2 years. It doesn't matter. God can restore. Perhaps you're a loved one here today and you're concerned about another loved one, a family member, a good friend, and they're not in right relationship with them. Hey, don't forget, God is pursuing. God is always pleading. God is working in ways that you don't even know about. But you be faithful. You be right. Amen. Now, the grace of God can pursue the hardest of hearts, the stiff-necked, the rebellious, the bent on not being moved by God or not wanting to respond to God. Manasseh shows us this. We mustn't give up on any lost soul. We mustn't give up on any wandering saint because God can bring them to himself and God can bring even those who don't want restitution. He can bring them to restored value again. I don't know who the Lord's going to place on your heart this morning, but I trust all of us will get greater burden for the loss and for those who need to come back to the Lord. Now, Manasseh's redemptive story here of God's grace. I'm just going to deal with three points. And I, I don't have a, do I have a poem? Three points. The man of God, first of all. The man God loved and sought after. We're going to look at Manasseh. Who was Manasseh? Look at 33, look at verse 1. 2 Chronicles 33 and verse 1. And then we're going to also take a look at verse... 31 and verse 20. But go to 33.1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. Back up to chapter 31, and look at verse 20. 30, 31 verse 20. And, he, and thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah, and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. As I mentioned here, this young man was raised to be a king. He was on the throne at 12. And he had a good reign, 55 years. He died at 67. That's young. That's young. His father was Hezekiah. We know him as good king Hezekiah. In, in 2 Chronicles 31, 20, we just read, and thus did Hezekiah all, throughout all Judah, and he wrought that which is good and right and truth before the Lord his God. A goodly heritage. A good upbringing. But Manasseh became a great sinner before the Lord. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, we're talking about, it's talking about the leper there. And it says that the leper was full of leprosy. And that word full means covered with. 
And I'm looking at Manasseh, and he had evidence in his life that he was covered with his sin. I know Brother Tom's been teaching the young couples upstairs, and I've had a couple of responses from some of the couples that have been in that class in recent days, even last week, about the teaching on pride and the teaching on needing to humble ourselves before God. And, and I want you to know, know here that God hates pride. He hates pride. But here, as the leper in Matthew chapter 5 was full of his sin, full of his leprosy, covered with the evidences of his leprosy, Manasseh, as we first read his story in the first six verses, he's full of himself. It's all about himself. He's on the wrong track. And he's causing the whole people of Israel to go wrong, to go wicked, to do evil. But God still loved him. We get hurt with people that hurt us. And sometimes we quit loving them. But God never quits loving us. Never has, never will. God has never quit pursuing us. Never has, never will. Amen. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 33 again. And we look down to verse 6, but look at verse 7, 8, and 9. I want you to see some more stuff about Manasseh. It says, and he set carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers, so that ye will take heed to do all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinance by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah... And the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Wow. What an epitaph. What a testimony. What a rotten life. Being raised right with a godly father and no doubt godly mother and being brought up. He did, it seemed like everything he could to discard himself to get that off of him and to go headlong into evil in the pursuit of what he thought he wanted. Oh, I've seen so many, too many Christians been raised up in church by parents that wanted them to be brought up in the goodness of God, the nurture of the admonition of the Lord, and have those kids raise up and go out and just, just run away from God so bad, so, so seek evil so much, it, it breaks our hearts. But above me, above you, God's heart is broken, but he still pursues. He still loves. He still works with us if we will heed him. Draw an eye to God and he will draw an eye to you. Oh, my goodness. We're talking about a wicked man here. Worse than the heathen, it says. In spite of God's love and longing for his salvation to return to God, he kept going his way. Jer Jer uh, Jer Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Hey, be thankful today for the loving, the, the drawing of God to your life.
Why? Why are you different than anybody else? Why did you get saved? Why did you get the opportunity to hear the gospel? At Sunday school, we heard about, you know, the Allens. They're over there interpreting the Bible for people for their language. And we have it, and we, and even people that have been saved don't care. But God cares. And even though you don't pick up your Bible, study to show yourself approved, serve him, give a holy grunt in church, he still loves you, and he still pursues you, and he's still good to you. What if God treated us like we treat him? <laughs> what if God treated us like we treat other brethren that have fallen away? Well, they don't want to serve God, forget about that. My goodness. I know we get busy. I get busy. I can't make all the calls. I can't reach all the people. I get that. But does anybody else ever come on your heart and mind that has done wrong and you try to reach out in kindness or love or a little note, a text, something? Thank God God didn't do away with me. Now, all Israel as a nation, they followed the example of Manasseh here, and they were all rebellious toward God. But God never quit loving her, drawing her. Listen, <clears throat> God hated Manasseh's sin and rebellion, but he loved Manasseh. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13 said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Luke 15, 2 this man receiveth sinners. That's the testimony of Jesus. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man is coming to seek and to save that which was lost. In 1 Timothy 1, 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, he came to Israel and they rejected them. And the Pharisees and the, and the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they didn't want anything to do with Christ, but Christ still loved them. He came by that tree that day. Zacchaeus is up there. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. That old story we tell the children. You know why? God still cared for publicans. He still, yeah, he cared for the prostitute. He cared for the down and outer. But he still cared for the religious folks, too, that were not in right relationship. We got a great God. He loves sinners. But he loves saints. The penalty of our sin toward God, of course, in the scripture tells us is death, both physically and spiritually. Romans 6, 23, for the ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sometimes we forget those words, eternal life. Even though you mess up, you still got eternal life. But we need to draw back nigh to our God for full fellowship and, and for use and benefit. Like Pastor Jeremiah said, you go in... We, we got the, the land that is promised us, but we don't go in and possess it. We don't experience all the things that God wants us to experience. I like the new theme for the youth department, summit. Take the higher ground. Go for the higher ground. Why are we so prone to settle? But even when we're settlers, God still pursues, still cares, still loves. Amen. So as Manasseh pushed away God, don't push away God. I want you to know this. There could have been, we don't know because the story goes on to show us that Manasseh responded. But many have not responded. 
And I want to just remind you of a little truth here. God loves you, but you know God may stop pursuing when he chooses to. He chooses to. Don't say no to God. Say yes. Don't say no to God. Say yes. Second Chronicles chapter 33, look at verse 10 in our text. It says, and the Lord spake, you know, after all that bad stuff, and the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. That brings us to our next point here. You know, we ought to be glad today that God still speaks. And we ought to be glad that God still spanks. Because the scripture tells me if, if I don't get the chasing hand of God, I'm not one of his. The Bible, Paul wrote, he said, you're bastards and not sons. Now that word bastard is not a bad word. It means illegitimate. You don't belong to God. Very straight. If you can live your life and live your life and live your life and do your thing and do your thing and you don't get a spanking, you better wake up, honey. You may not even know him. And that's the danger of being raised sometimes in church and around Christianity. You get so familiar. You better be careful. You keep pushing God away and pushing God and pushing God. He's a long-suffering God. He's a God of mercy. He will not leave the Christian. But I have seen some people in the scriptures that they push God away one too many times and that was it. You know, the Bible says he was dealing with Pharaoh, all those plagues, and Pharaoh hardened heart, and hardened his heart, and hardened his heart. Then it says this, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Oh, man. You want to get there. So sometimes we're thinking of maybe somebody in our heart that we think saved. They might not be. Pray for their soul to be saved. And if they are, pray that they return to the Lord. So we see this, this, this Manasseh. Second of all, notice the method in which God employed to reach him. Now, uh, go back, if you would, to chapter 33, verse 2, and stay with me. We're going to move through this one, get to the next one, and we'll be done. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 2, and, and the Bible says, But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, speaking of Manasseh, like unto the abominations of the heathen. Look at chapter 3. And he built again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down. Boy, his dad knocked him down. He raised him back up. Verse 4. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, unto the, uh, whereof the Lord said in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for the hosts of heaven. He's in here worshiping stars, planets. He got into that. Verse 6, and he caused his children to pass through the fire, actually taking his babies, his children, and giving them to a God. Burn them up on that altar. Verse 7, and he set up carved images. The idol which he had made in the house of God. Verse 9, so Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen. Worse than the heathen. Preacher, what does that mean? Preacher, what does all this mean? It means that God loved Manasseh even though Manasseh pushed him away. It means that God pursued Manasseh even though Manasseh kept running further and further away. There's three things that got Manasseh to come to God. 
I want you to notice how could God, first of all, have allowed this? You think God in all his sovereignty and all his wisdom and him being God, he knows everything. And so why is this even happening? Why would God even allow Manasseh to be raised up in a godly man's home and know better and then go after so much evil and set up false gods and desecrate the temple of God? Why? Why would God allow this? Well, first thing, God allowed Manasseh to have his way, do his thing, have his fling with his and him. First thing, God allowed it. Didn't say he was happy about it. He allowed it. You know why? He allowed it so Manasseh would get fed up with it. You know, you can talk all day to somebody. If they're bent on going the wrong direction, they're going to go on it until they're fed up with themselves. You ever been fed up with yourself? Even after being saved, there have been times, Paul, I've been so fed up with me. And I really didn't make any changes till I got fed up with me. And here in Manasseh, he wanted it. He went after sin, sinful relationships, till he came to the end of himself. Just like the prodigal of Luke chapter 15. He had to get out of dad's house. He, and you know what the father did in, in Luke chapter 15? He gave him his inheritance. We don't read that he sat him down and said, son, now you don't need to do this. This is squandering. No, 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 no. He let him go. You talk about love. The father loved his son so much, but he let him go to let God deal with them. That's a good God. That's a good God. You say other examples of that. How about Hosea the prophet and Gomer, his wife? I know when I say Gomer, you're thinking of Gomer Pyle, but get that, don't go there. Gomer was Hosea's wife. Gomer was unfaithful to her husband. Gomer wandered from her husband. You read that book. I got a book I read years ago called Hosea's Heartbreak. What a book. Here's God. Now, sometimes things, God does things that you and I don't get. And we're not going to get it. God told them to marry a harlot. I don't, it's in the book. <laughs> but you know, that book was an is a illustration of God's love toward Israel and how Israel went whoring after other gods. Gomer is, is really, it's a, it's a real deal. This was a real marriage and a real wife that went bad and a real husband that had his heart broken. But it was picturing how Israel had went after other gods. And this Gomer in her life, she would say, oh, my lovers did this for the, me and my lovers provided that for me and all this. But all along it was her faithful husband that provided all those things. And all she did to him, she broke his heart. She broke his heart. She left her children. You know what he did? He went to the slave market and bought her back. And after years, she spent, she's, she's messed up. She's filthy. She's living in the gutter. And there's this loving husband, goes and picks her up, takes her home, cleans her up. Boy, what a God. What a God. Yeah, 
Manasseh was, he was wicked. He didn't deserve the grace of God. He didn't deserve another chance. But God loved Manasseh and pursued after Manasseh. Oh, my goodness. I believe Manasseh could have crossed the line with God. Thank God he didn't. Consider the New Testament example again of the prodigal and how the father allowed that son to go on so he'd get filled with the husks in the pig pen so he get fed up with his sin. Hey, I got people in my life, they're still not filled up with sin. They're still not fed up with themselves and it breaks my heart. But there ain't nothing I can do about it but pray and love them and hope, never give up. Because God's going to do all he can to restore. But you know what? He's a God that will allow them to go as far as they want to go. And if they don't return, he'll allow that too. What a God. Amen. God allowed him to have his fling. Secondly, God gave him clear warning. Look at verse 10. Second Chronicles 33, 10. And the Lord spake unto Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Don't assume, if you know somebody that's not, don't assume that the guy's not speaking with them. I've seen backsliders come back after 10, 20, 30, even 30 plus years. And every one of them have told me, you know, I would just about every day sense God dealing with me. So even though maybe you're not talking, he is talking. He is pursuing. God never gave up on him. God let him go his way for his purpose to bring him back. God gave him clear warning. God so loves us that he will reprove us and rebuke us and speak to us. And here's how he do it. He'll do it through his word. He'll do it through a sermon. He'll do it through a storm. He'll do it through a sorrow. He'll bring it through a situation, a hardship. Maybe even allow some shipwrecks. But he'll work. God's way of showing us that he's not given up. Never will. Unless God decides that this is a line. I don't know what that line is. I don't know where it's drawn. I never want to even know about that. That's God's business, not mine. But it can happen. Lastly, note that God afflicted Manasseh. Verse 11. Now here's how God works. He won't listen. He won't listen. God speaks to him. He won't listen. Verse 11. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria. So they, now they're having a captivity. Uh, captivity of, of the Assyrians, which took Manasseh, that's the captive, among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Well, he didn't want that, but that's what you get when you don't listen to God. Yeah. And God brought affliction into his life. That's the hardest thing for you and I to have to watch or worry about. Yeah. When's the other shoe going to fall? We don't know. But it's going to. It's hard. So he wouldn't listen, he wouldn't listen, he wouldn't listen. He let other people that wouldn't listen. God spoke to him, God spoke to him. Then God said, okay. He afflicted him. He 
It brought affliction into his life. Now, you and I, we're on the outside of this thing. We, we look at it and say, boy, that's an awful drastic action. Is it? Is it? God, in the prodigals of both Manasseh and the prodigal son of Luke chapter 15, God made it clear. And they went on with their choices, their bad choices, their poor choices, their stupid choices. And they live with the carnage of it. Amen. But here's what it says in Luke 15. But when he came to himself. See, they had to go through it for them to come to himself. As Pastor Williams was saying, we go through things in this life and we wonder why. Sometimes God's wanting to get us to a place where we come to ourselves. We're not depending on mama and daddy anymore. We're not depending on our wife or our wives to our husband. We're not depending on the preacher or the church or your mother or your father. God allows it for you to come to yourself. And it might seem harsh. It might seem drastic. But it is a loving gesture from a God that loves you and pursues you and wants the best for you. And he's the one that chooses what is right is wrong to bring you where he wants you. So a preacher, I don't understand. I don't either. But I know him. And he's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a long-suffering God. He's a merciful God. He's a wonderful God. Oh, my goodness. You paying attention this morning? God allows things sometimes in our lives, the lives of others. Listen, not always to be disciplinary. No, no. And certainly not a God of retaliation. It may be chastisement, but it may not. We don't know. We go through these psychological, emotional feelings when somebody in our life we feel is treated wrongly or someone is hurt or someone gets cancer or someone, something happens to a child or something. We, we wonder God knows that. We wonder. But he is so beyond us. Our ways are not his ways. I don't care how long you walk with God, you'll never understand him totally. Or you'd be like him. He is so far past us. But I can trust him. And I can bless him. I see Manasseh, the evil, the rebellion. The more God tried to work with him, the more he wandered. I think of Pharaoh, how God hardened his heart. I think of Saul. Saul was resistant to God, and God pressed him. And he, he didn't ask him a question. He said to him on the road to Damascus, we're talking about Saul that turned to Paul. He said, it is hard for thee to kick against the He didn't say... Is it hard for you? He said, it is hard. Listen, the way of the transgressor is hard. And we say, well, boy, they've been going through this for a long time. They're not ready yet. I know, I know, it sounds stupid. 
You and I say, man, I would, I, man, I, I, listen, I fear God. I do, and I'm not saying I'm lily white. I'm not saying I don't have some times in my life where I'm rebel. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm pretty sensitive to when something goes wrong, I'm saying, Lord, is there something? But you see, the longer somebody wanders, the more they get into, the more they're set in their way, it takes God some time to get them to listen, look. It's hard, and it's hard for us to watch it. I want to give you some hope. God is working. He's still working. He's still pursuing. He still loves them. He still loves you. He still loves you. Lastly, the miracle God worked to bring him, Manasseh, unto himself. Look at verse 12 and 13. We're going to wrap this up. Don't lose me. 33, 12, and when he had afflict, uh, was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself, notice the next word, greatly before the God of his fathers, and he prayed unto him. This is the hard guy. And he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew the Lord that he was God. Oh my goodness, isn't that a great ending? Praise God, Manasseh got saved, Manasseh got right, Manasseh got back in the kingdom. Um, that's great, but, but you had to get through verses 1 through what, 13, 14, 15? You got people in your life you care about. They're going the wrong direction. God's working. God loves. God cares. Situations in your life you can't figure out why this happened, why that happened, why is this going on. God's still working. God cares. God loves you. God's God. He didn't come back until God brought the affliction. Enough of it with the right measure and the right intensity to bring him back to God. And the end result was he came to know his God. You know, I think the majority of Christians, sometimes I know, they never get to the point where they know their God. They just go through church. I mean, we get cleaned up. We put a suit on. We go to Sunday school. We go to church. We enjoy the things of God. But I'm looking for higher ground, Brother Paul. I, I am convinced that there are so many people that go to church for years and years and years, even hold offices, even lead departments, all that, but they, they, they don't come to the place where they really know their God like they could and like they should. So I want that. Do you? In order to know God in that way, he turns the heat up. He causes affliction. I think there might be one or two here. I don't know. I believe in every time the preacher preaches, there may be someone lost. And there may be someone lost here today, and you, you have not come to the place yet where you realize you're lost. Because you think you're a good person, and you think, I go to church, and I, I don't rob people, and I, I'm a nice person, and I, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. 
No one's good enough to go to God's heaven. Never has been, never will be. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he was broken on the cross. That's why he shed his blood on the cross. Because our good works couldn't get us there. And there might be one or two here. You're a good person. You're a religious person. You, But have you been born again? Have you been saved? So you've got to come to yourself. You've got to realize what you are. You're a lost sinner. And friend, I hate... I, I, I hate that this is in the Bible, but there's a hell to shun. I don't care how good you think you are. If you're not saved, you're going to hell. If you don't repent. And God may just choose out of his goodness and his grace and his mercy to cause you to be afflicted so that you might come to him. Now, I'll close with this. There might be some rebels here today. It's a Baptist church. I'm assuming there's several. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because I'm a rebel. It's born in us. We have the devil's seed. You understand that. And then the Holy Ghost came in and he gave us a new man. We're a new man in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit's in us. But we got a war going on. You, you do know that. I mean, you look pretty today. I love this church. I love you people. I do. But you know, some of you, <laughs> you, you, you get all, you sit up straight, you listen, but God knows your heart. There's a rebel in you that needs to die. And if you're not careful, you'll end up like Manasseh. You'll do and think and get involved in things you thought you never would or could. It ain't happened yet, thank God. But now's the time to make sure it doesn't come to fruition. That's why Paul said, I have to die daily. And if Paul had to say that, my goodness, where do we fall? I look at the people that are so cold and so distant, so headstrong, so rebellious, so wrong in their thinking. It's crazy thinking. It's unbiblical thinking. But as one old preacher said years ago in a famous servant sermon, there's payday someday. I don't want to, I don't want to cash that check. Amen. Let me give you this story and I'm done. There was a man, an old preacher. You probably, some of you know who he is. Maybe some of you have never heard of him before. His name was John Bunyan. John Bunyan was born November 30th, 1628. He died August 31st, 1688. He died at the age of 59. Now I'm 62. 59's young. He was an English writer, of course, coming from England, a Puritan preacher. He, he had over 60 books that he read. We don't know about most of those, but we do remember a few of them. One was called Pilgrim's Progress. I had told Pastor Williams six months ago, I said, Pastor Williams, I've been wanting to have this, that movie again, Pilgrim's Progress, show it in the church, and I wanted to preach a sermon on, on, on that text, uh, Pilgrim's Progress. But recently, I noticed that it's coming out to the movies. I don't know if you realize, there's a big production of Pilgrim's Progress being done. It's going to come out, in the, and I, I thought, no, I don't want everybody to think I'm trying to, but it's happening. I don't know how it'll be. You know, I don't know if it'll be R, X, B, or C. I have no idea. <laughs> but this is a real man. He really lived. 
And he wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress in his trial. He was a preacher and he preached the gospel and they arrested him for preaching the gospel. They didn't like what he had to say, but they made a rule and they said, you can't preach around here unless you get a license from the state to preach. And he wouldn't take the license. He went to prison for 13 years. He was in prison for about three years and they went to his wife and said, we can get your husband. All he's got to do is agree to sign this paper. I will not preach or I will not preach unless I get a license from the state. See, they wanted control over him. And he was a Baptistic fellow. And his wife and kids were begging, Daddy, please come home. They were starving, please come home. And he wrote about how much that broke his heart. But he said, I cannot do that. So 10 more years he stayed in prison for preaching and not taking the state license. Well, in that time, God gave him those thoughts. God gave him the book, Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, that has touched the heart of millions of people. Well... He eventually got out of prison and he came back home. He not only wrote that book, but he wrote a great book called Grace Abounding to Chief of Sinners. He got out and he went back in again. They throw him in prison for something else. He spent a pretty comfortable life after that. It's recorded. He became a popular author and preacher. He became pastor of what's called the Bedford Meeting House, which was a Baptist group. But he died. At 59. John Bunyan was a great man of faith and a preacher with boldness. But what we don't hear often a lot about John Bunyan was his former life before he was saved. John Bunyan, according to his own testimony and the books written about him at that time, contemporaries, that before his conversion, he was a great sinner. He was a wicked foul-mouthed man, a blasphemer, a godless, carnal, sensual, womanizing, debased drunkard. But God pursued him. And God loved him. And God never gave up on him. Kind of reminds me of Isaac Watts, who wrote the great song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. Kind of reminds me of him. Rebellious toward God for years, and in a great storm, Isaac Watts feared his life. All the things his mother taught him as a child about Christ came to his heart, and he was gloriously saved and was never the same again. I don't know, but what happened to John Bunyan, what happened to Isaac Watts, what happened to me and you if you're saved, what happened to Manasseh was God finally got a hold of their hearts. Folks, we need to pray that God get a hold of hearts and start with mine. Mine. Start with yours. I told you my title on my sermon. You probably forgot it by now, but it's this. Say yes to God. Manasseh said no, God. No, God. No, God. No, God. Pharaoh said no, God. No, God. No, God, I won't do it. You pick anybody like that. You pick the prodigal. No, Dad. No, Dad. No, Dad. Sooner or later, you're going to come to a point where you're going to say no to God the last time. I don't know when that is, 
I'm so glad I know about this loving, gracious, long-suffering, merciful God. But don't say no to God. Instead, today, say yes, God. Somebody needs to get saved today. Say yes, God, I'll get saved. Somebody needs to be scripturally baptized. Get in church. Yes, God. Somebody needs to get back in teaching, singing, serving. Quit saying no to God. Say yes to God. Amen. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed.